now. And the subtitle to it today, the first message of the series, is Work Together. The time is now, let's work together. Amen. And I want to read to you from our, our passage for this, and it's out of Haggai. Um, or some people say Haggai, uh, both are pronunciations, first ones are okay. Um, but Haggai, uh, 1, 1 through 8. This is what it says. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. What time is it? Time is now. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not worn. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring, back, uh, bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Now having said all that, thinking about the projects that we just talked about, uh, your mind would probably run immediately to that, and it's like, wow, Pastor's like laying this on really thick and heavy right now. Um, let me say that that the projects need to be done, yes, but I'm actually speaking about you as the temple of God. Are are, are you dwelling in in the panel house of your body? Are you are you living your life and you're doing all the things that you need to do to exist in this world? but not giving the attention, possibly, to the things that God would want to be done in your life that draw you nearer to Him, because ultimately, remember this, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God, amen? amen. Now, having said that, uh, the Bible says that we're being built into a holy house, a place for, uh, for God to inhabit by spirit. So, so you need to see the duality of, of this passage with regard to us in a time that we live in, that is, that if we take care of our spiritual life, then what happens is, is if we're living stones, one being assembled upon another, right? Living stones. But you and I make up the temple of God. I am the temple of God, but corporately when we come together, we make up a place for God to inhabit by His Spirit. Not to visit by His Spirit, but to inhabit, to dwell there. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I want God to so dwell among us at Gateway Church. That when people walk in and they've got stuff going on in their life, they feel that yoke break off of them and they feel the heavy burden lifting off of them. Amen. Amen. It's how we interact as a body of believers that makes that possible for people to walk in to a place where the presence of God is and, and to watch that stuff begin to be broken off in life. We talk about him being the breaker of chains, right? He's the lifter of burdens and he's the breaker of chains. But make no mistake about it, we're the ones that are building a house. Yes, he's building us, but we've got to be yielded to him and go the way that he wants us to go with our lives and yield to him uh, along that way. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. This is, 
this is something God is, is, is convicting me about, and, and I need to change that. I don't want to just dwell in this body, right? I don't want to just survive in this time I'm living in, but I want to thrive because I'm called to live eternal life. Not one day, but to live an eternal life now and just kind of pass on over into the fullness of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're sojourners in this world. We're, we're, we're pilgrims, if you were passing through here. This is not this is not our dwelling place. God's kingdom is our dwelling place. Amen. The Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So it is up to us to recognize that, that just as Haggai was uh, rebuking the, the people of Israel, look, because back then it was that physical temple was everything. And I make no mistake about it, when we talk about the projects around here, we can't say to our community, we care and we love God, but yet we're not concerned about the appearance of our presentation. Would you agree with that? And so we have to we have to take concern with those things because I believe that they're just about a reflection of where we are at spiritually. Amen. 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 All right. So so with that, then uh, I want to uh, give you my first point. Uh, God's work takes teamwork. God's work takes teamwork. Hebrews 10, 23-25 gives us a good picture of it. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. That's what we're doing here today. We're meeting together. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, we, we need to be coming together. We need to be growing together and encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. It's like, what do we mean by see the day approaching? The day that Jesus comes back to receive his bride unto himself, right? The, the end of this age, if you will. And it's like, yeah, and you know, I, I've been following God for a long time. Look, uh, all I know is I can look back at it. At 19, I gave my life to Christ, and I've been serving him all that time. And I remember the first few years, I'm reading Revelation, I'm reading, oh, I mean, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, man. I knew he was coming back. He's coming back this year. I guarantee he's coming back, right? Anybody ever been there? Yeah. But the thing we must become concerned about is the Bible says in the latter days, when they begin to speak, that where is the promise of his coming? When they're cynical about it, when people become cynical, especially believers, when we become cynical, where, where's the promise of his coming? Huh? I've been serving him all these years. Now, Miss, Miss Bev, you've been serving him a whole lot longer than I have. Did you ever have moments in your life where you thought, man, he's coming back? I'm telling you, he's coming back, right? And, and I got to tell you, she, she's one of the most passionate people about the relationship with Jesus that I know in our congregation or that I've ever had the privilege of meeting, right? And all I know is if Jesus doesn't come back soon, you'll be going to visit him. Amen? And that, that's not an insult. You know, we talk about, I mean, she hangs on and God keeps just giving her strength to hang on. And this is what I know. Uh, I'd love her to hang on until she's 150. Oh, no. <laughs> right? She's been, I mean, my kids affectionately call her Grandma Beth. Many of the members of this church call her Grandma Beth because she's been a spiritual grandmother and great-grandmother great-great-grandmother to some people, right? I'm just saying, spiritually speaking, she has watched so many people come to Christ through this church and, and, and move away and they're doing other things in other churches and serving in other ministries. And she's watched, she's seen way more 
of, of God's hand in, in reproducing the kingdom of God in the lives of people than I have here as the pastor of the church. I believe that, that, that in many ways the lifeblood of the church truly is those who hang on and, and keep building and pouring into people and making disciples. Amen. Amen. It ain't going to continue without people who believe that, that they need to be helping to shape the stones that are setting upon one another. Amen. Now let me give you a, a quick picture of a living stone versus a dead stone. Any, any masons in the room? I don't mean Freemasons. <laughs> so any, raise your hand if you've got a masonry. Okay? One person. Um, so, so let me say it this way. A mason knows that when you're fitting stones, I'm not talking about they formed all these bricks for you, but I'm saying stones, that you find stones and you're going to build a, a wall out of, out of these stones that you found, right? But you've seen some of the natural stonework, Colorado look to it, right? Uh, that kind of thing. That, that when a mason has that, he, he wants to shape that to fit in a spot. This one is fit, but I've got to kind of get a little bit of, little bit off of this. And so he'll etch the stone, he'll get a nice little etch mark in it, and what he'll do is he'll, if you've ever seen the, 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 the mason and a hammer, it has that uh, uh, edge on the back side of it, and it has a, a hammer on the front side. And they'll etch that mark in the stone, and all they'll do is they'll smack the stone, and the piece will break off right where they've etched it. Now, a living stone can be shaped to fit in a spot. A dead stone, you can etch it if you want, but the moment you smack it with the hammer, it crumbs in your hand because it's not alive. You hear me? And God shapes and molds us. He, he, he takes us to fit us specifically in, in his body of believers, to fit in his house that he's going to inhabit with his presence. When he does, he'll work on us. Anybody had God work on them just a little bit? Yeah. God working on anybody in here now? Yeah. Right? Working on your life just a little bit. What he'll do is he'll, he'll carve on you a little bit. And he'll, he'll shape you and mold you to fit you exactly where you're meant to fit in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, this, this passage is telling us, you know, it takes teamwork. It takes us working together. What do you think spurring one another means? Anybody ever ridden a horse? Pushing them. One spurs? Anybody ever watched the western? And seeing the cowboys with the spurs, and you know, if you ever watched the rodeo, <laughs> I mean, you get where I'm coming from. Spur is not a comfortable thing, right? We spur one. Anybody ever felt spurred by another believer in the body of Christ? It's kind of like, hey there, brother, I don't think the way you talked to your wife, I don't think that was very godly. It's like, how dare you talk to me that way? <laughs> Who are you to tell me how I should treat my wife? Another believer that spurred you on to good works and righteousness, Amen. right? Yep. Any wives that are Talk bad about your husbands and had friends say, you know, really gossiping about your husband, you know, be better for pray for your husband. How dare you talk to me? Come on, anybody ever got offended because somebody told me how to live godly? Yeah. Somebody is spurring you on to good works. Come on now. It's better than you letting on. <laughs> <laughs> we need to hear it even if we don't want to hear it. Amen. Amen. So spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Why we come together and get challenged like this? Amen. Um, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approach. Look, we need people in our lives like that that's doing it until Jesus comes. All I know is when I have people like that, Angie's the best spur in my life. 
My wife is the best friend in my life. Uh, she has a way. Now, now, I would say this. We're not to be mean. We're not to be um, uh, uncaring towards people we speak truth to, correct? Right. So I was telling somebody this week that Angie, uh, she figured out my love language. Anybody in here, you know your love languages? Yeah. So how many in here, your love language is physical touch? Right? You, you, you just love it when somebody shows you that physical attention. Huh? Yeah. How many of you in acts of service when people do things for you? When people buy you gifts? Come on, ladies. I know when you do those, you know. <laughs> but, but Angie figured something out about me. I don't take I don't take criticism very well. Most of us don't really. Some people take it better than others. I don't take it too well. And, and I'll get I can go from zero to sixty and get really upset right when I get criticized. Well, Angie learned something over the years with me. Okay, if his love language is this, so Angie knew what she was gonna say if you stand up on this evening. So it, it goes like this. So Angie's me right now. Can we do that? I know it's sure. a stretch. Really? Hold your arm out. So Angie, Angie would come up to me and here's what she would do. She's going to talk to me about something hard that I don't want to hear. She knows I'm not going to hear it. And she'll do one of these numbers. Hey, baby. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll go, I really need to talk to you about something. Um, and I, I just you know, want you to, to let me know when it would be a good time to talk to you about something. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> Well, I'm already softened by the time she drops and she needs to talk to me about something. I, how do you know when your spouse, your mom or dad or whatever, you know, look at you and say, I really need to talk to you about something. It's probably not going to be good for you, right? Uh, It'll be good for you, but it's not going to be something like here. And Angie learned that, man. And I'm telling you, she comes in when she puts your hand on me, I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> but it disarms me, right? And I found... That, that, you know, Angie's is words of affirmation. And I found that I've got to talk to Angie about something that's hard. And I, come on, you all with me here? Yeah. You don't always succeed at it, right? And I found that when I approach Angie, I'm like, babe, I love you so much. You're just such an amazing mom, amazing wife. And she's like, uh huh. <laughs> but she knows, she knows I'm approaching her and, hey, but I need to talk to you about something and, you know. Can you let me know when it would be a good time to do that? Yeah. Um, do we always succeed at it? No, we do not. But do we do a lot better than we used to? Yes. Do we have a desire to continue to get better and better at it? Absolutely. I want you to know, um, when all this is going on with Haggai, and he's saying what he's saying to the people of God, and he's talking about the work of the Lord, and we're reading this, we're spur one another on and so on, I want you to know that there's never a correction that God does in our life. That's meant for anything but our benefit. Do you know that? Amen. Anytime it comes, and it may not feel the best, but anytime God corrects us through His Word, with another believer, or through a message, or whatever it may be, that it comes with no sense that you know God's trying to correct me on that. Yeah. Just know, even though you may not agree, it is for your benefit. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So uh, God's work takes teamwork. Here's what we got to see about. It teamwork and what it is to work together. Working together, it's not my plan, it's God's plan. Working together is God's plan. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because together they can work more effectively. Another translation says they have a greater return for their work. And when, when we work together, we have a greater return. It's more effective in our life. Amen. 
Working together isn't always easy. No, come on, Pastor. I thought it was easy every time that I had to work with somebody. Working together is not always easy. It isn't always easy. First Corinthians 1.10 says this, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined, what? Together, in the same mind, and in the same judgment. How can we do that? That we allow the Word of God to be what guides us. Now from time to time, people can read the same scripture, and they come out with a different interpretation of what it's saying. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. But here's what we know. We know that in God there's there's no division, there's no in Christ, there's no division, right? There's no confusion. See, so if love is the motive, and, and we're not trying to prove a point, we're trying to prove a point out of out of love, what happens is it allows us to have a conversation. Amen. When we're trying to prove our point because we have pride, what happens is it leads to an argument, it leads to dissension, it leads to division. Yep. How do I know that? Because only by pride comes what? Only by pride comes strife, comes division, right? When we have pride and we want to get our way, we want to prove our point, love's not the motive of that being right. And that's something we've got to be very careful about, not just with fellow believers, but with people in the world. You know, I saw a comedian, he, he shared about uh, that he uh, he was somewhere, I don't know, he was on on a plane or something, and he sat next to this guy, and the guy sneezes, and, and, and the guy goes, God bless you. And the dude's like, I'm an atheist. Okay, so you want me to say, I hope you die. <laughs> you know? Right? And, and, and he's, he's telling us, he's like, he's like, I, what, how do you, how do you, like, because in time, I mean, you know, what do you say to an atheist in that moment, right? And so he uh, he he said the atheist starts in, and he's kind of like uh, he goes, so so I guess you believe that when you die, you know what? You know, God comes and takes you. Something. He goes, I guess you know when I die, it's one of those where I'm in heaven, right? And the atheist's like, uh huh. So he goes, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking this. Alright, so what do you believe happens to you when you die? Well, when I die, I just become part of the earth again. And then what happens is, is that, you know, I come back basically as a tree or something. I went, alright, alright, okay. Because you know what would be awesome? Is if that person comes back as a tree, and then that tree gets cut down, some big old burly, you know, uh, um, lumberjack goes in there and <laughs> chops that tree down, and then takes it, and takes it to the sawmill, cuts it up, and then it gets in, made into pulp for paper, and then on that paper you write the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's pretty, that is pretty cool, man. <laughs> so you imagine, it's like, I don't believe in God, I believe in God. Now, look, that's not what happened, but I thought it was pretty fun. Working together isn't always easy, and then working together is a choice. Working together is a choice. Ephesians 4 3 Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. See, that's saying, look, God, God will help us, but we're the ones that have to make the effort, right? Yeah. To keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Mm -hmm.
maintaining that unity of spirit in the bond of peace so that we can work together for the cause of Christ. Amen. And then, so, uh, the transition here, when we work together. So when we work together, here's what happens. Number one, when we work together, we honor God. Isaiah 12, 4 says, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. And proclaim that His name is exalted. We honor God. When we work together to bring Him glory, we honor Him. Amen? What, let me, let me give you this question. What does our worship communicate about us? Our time together, when we come together and what we believe, what does it communicate about us? Hopefully what it's communicating about us is the passage I just read. That, that we are actually proclaiming God's goodness. We're proclaiming and making His name known to the nations. And what we're doing is exalting His name. Not our own. Now you can say this. I want to see great Gateway Church be a great church. I want to see you be great believers in our community. But I want God to get all the glory. Amen. Amen. Number two. When we work together, we honor each other. When we work together, we honor each other. John 13, 35. By this everyone, say everyone. Everyone. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. I, I will tell you that, look, I've been saved long enough and I know many of you have. I've watched people bicker and fight in their Christian walk with people who are other believers. And I, I think that's the number one thing that we should should have just such a high guard against that we don't ever allow that to seep in and start to, to tear down on people's perspective of it. Gee, well, man, this mm-hmm. Jesus guy, I don't know if they say they follow him, but this is what they look like. And I think that if anything, we should look like love. Amen. God is love, right? And love was manifest dying on the cross, sacrifice. And if anything, we should pick up our cross and follow him, right? Deny ourselves and follow him. And let love, right? Let love win the day. Amen. Woo. Write that down. That's good. Let love win the day. Every day. The Bible says, sufficient today is the evil thereof. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. What is that? Look, you might have some junk you got to deal with in your relationships. You might have some junk at work. You might have, you might have all kinds of stuff coming your way. But, but one thing's for sure. Today's got enough junk going. Today's got enough evil. It's got enough things going wrong, let alone to carry them into tomorrow and pile on the ones that are coming the next day. Yeah. And the next and the next and the next. And that's why God encourages us through scripture about that is to not take that into the next day, but to deal with that. Clean the slate. Take it to the Lord. Say, look, this is what's going on. I, I remember reading this story. I might share this here before about a man. You know, he, I, think he was, uh, I think he was a mechanic actually. He'd go to work and he, you know, have his hard days, his good days, and his bad days, if you will. But but each day, he still had stuff that he was carrying and was concerned about and so on. And he had this philosophy that, you know what, I want to take those things into my home when I come home from work. And how many of you ever spend, you know, Angie and I work together, so there's there's time we're sitting at home and we're like in relaxed mode. I'm in relaxed mode. Maybe she's not. Or she's in relaxed mode and I'm not. And, and she comes to me and is like, hey, you know what we ought to do about that? And I'm like, just literally shut my brain down and I'm trying to rest. And she goes, well, fine. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, I come and I'm like, hey, you know what we ought to do? And she's like, are we resting or not? I'm like, 
But you get what I'm saying. It's so easy to carry those things into every other part of our life. And this guy, when we come home, there was a tree in his front yard, and he would walk by that tree and he would just let the leaves, he'd rub his hands on the leaves, and the, the gentleman that was with him said, why do you do that? He said, uh, you know, that's my, my trouble tree. When I pass that tree, I just put all my troubles on the tree. And he was, he, he was a praying guy, and when he'd do that, God, take all my troubles from today, and I'm going to carry them in my family's life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I know that, that, that I could do with a trouble tree from time to time. No doubt. Amen? Amen. All right, so, and, and what does that do? So, what does our gathering communicate about us? What does our gathering communicate about us? We honor, when we honor each other, working together, we honor each other. What does our gathering communicate about us to others? Is it, is it when we get together with other people, is it a dumb fest, a criticism fest, you know? Or, or is it a, a way to look for opportunities to pray and to see God move in the midst of us so that others are encouraged by the love that we share and the miracles that God does? Yeah. Listen to that again. Yeah. Others are encouraged, right, by the love that we share and the miracles that God does in our life. I believe this, that where love is manifest because God is love, then God's presence, God's, God's miracle-working power can be most prevalent. In that place, why? Because it's the environment of God. Love is his environment. And then uh, number three, we honor people who need Jesus. When we work together, we honor people who need Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. <laughs> What's the question there? What does our dedication to mission communicate about us? What does our dedication to mission communicate to the mission of Christ? What does it communicate about us? Are we dedicated to do what Jesus commissioned us to do? And if we are, just so you know, it always line up with what he commanded us to do. Now here at Gateway, you hear me say this very often. At Gateway, we love God. We love others, and we do what? We make disciples. Jesus didn't ask us to beg for disciples. What he said is to go and make disciples. And that's why we choose to say it that way. And while a lot of people may not understand that terminology, it's the responsibility of the church to communicate Christ's terminology, not change it so much that it loses its impact, that it loses its edge, if you will. When you use the term, and I'll say this, especially in America, when you use the term make this, oh, you're going to make me do something, you know, teaching them, right, to obey all I've commanded to do. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all I've commanded to do. And it kind of sets it up for uh, the only way a person can come to salvation. Unless, and, and, and maybe not so much physically, there will be a day where it's physically. But, but arrogance does not find place with Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Mm. Yeah. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's something to that when the message is shared, and it is a loving message, but there's only one way to get to the love of Christ. There's only one way to receive all benefits and blessings that come from it, and that's salvation. All those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the name of who? The Lord. The Lord. Amen. 
anybody else think, you know, he's my Lord. He's Lord of my life. That means he's over my life. Amen. Amen. He's over, I'm on you. And there's no, no, no better place, no, no, no greater protection to be under than to be under the protection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, you know, look what it comes down to. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Now is always the time. You know, that title in, in and of itself is kind of like, uh, you can preach that every single Sunday if you wanted to. Why? Because now is always the time. It was the time for agonized people. Now is the time for them to pursue God and to, to, to chase down what God has asked them to do so that, that God can, can bless them with his best. Um, and it's that time now as well. And you know what it will be tomorrow? And what it will be the next day, the next month, the next year, and 10 years from now? Now is the time. Now is the time for us to work together, not just with one another, but with God. Why? Because we honor Him, we honor each other, we honor people that need a relationship with Jesus. And we do that. Amen? Amen. Let me give you this final statement. The time is now. Let's work together. Let's work together. Let's, let's start letting God own us into those stones that need to be set upon one another for His presence to be there. And yes, some of the projects need to get done, but let, let me just tell you this. We could make this place the, you know, um, the top of the hall. I mean, it, it could be the most beautiful place in the world if we don't love each other, we don't work together, and we don't love God. And guess what? It's just an empty, it's an empty place. We're the ones that bring the presence with us. Amen. Man. I'll give you a quote by uh, Corey Timboon. Anybody ever heard of him? He says, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That what, what, is, what does your future look like if you trust God on that level? And, and I would say it this way Let now be the time for you and your relationship with God go deeper than it ever has. Don't hold anything back from you. You know, we, we all have our areas where it's like, yeah, I just don't love God to work there. And I would say, whatever that may be, man, just turn it all over to Jesus. Yeah, last week I talked about going all in. Go all in with Him. Yeah, so that you can just be, I, I, I believe, shocked at how much God can do for you. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Your, your future, you may not know the details. The Bible says we see through a glass of dark, we can prophesy apart. We might know some things, but we don't know everything, correct? But I promise you this, while you may not know everything, God does. And if you'll trust Him with your life, and I'll, I'll say this to you, not just today, but each and every day of your life, if you wake up with that attitude, God, I'm going to trust you more in my life today than I did yesterday. I'm telling you that bit by bit, piece by piece, moment by moment, God's going to put everything together the way He meant to be for your life. Amen. Amen. Would you stand your feet with me? I'm going to pray with you, and then we're going to sing this chorus as we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I pray your best, Father God, over their lives. God, I pray you as only you can do. That you find those. Those, those places of fear, you find those places of, of, of feelings of failure and father concern. Father, you find those areas of, uh, where the dreams and the desires, Father God, for their life, their family, their marriages, God, their work. They're finding everything in their life, God, 
Lord, it may not be all about prosperity, that's for sure. One thing, God, that I know is that when we're close to you, Father, you make everything work out the way it's, it's just meant to be. And the Lord, there's nothing, nothing that we go through, no challenge that we face, uh, no, no feeling that we feel, God, that's bigger than you. God, I pray that revelation, Lord, would resound inside each and every one of us. Whatever season we're in, Father, whatever we may be dealing with, God, each and every one of us, reach out to you every single day. We give you just a little bit more of ourselves. God, we take on just a little bit more of you. Father, there'd be a day for us where we start to realize that, that like Enoch did, that he walked so closely with you. I think about that, Father. We think about the day when, when it all comes to a close. Lord, what we know to be the rapture, Enoch was the first one ever raptured, and that's because he walked so close with you. And God, I pray that we be so taken with you. Father, you honestly over our, our wives, our, our kids, our friends. God, you're the closest relationship we have, because when that's the closest relationship we have, God, everything else, Lord, well, it may not always make sense. We have trust in us that, Lord, you're going to help us walk that out. Not just for our benefit, but for their God, all of that for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing this as we go.